my spooky friends. This is John, your host for Dairyland Frights. And I want to thank each and every one of my spooky friends out there who made a successful 2023 here at Dairyland Frights. And most importantly, I want to thank all my guests. You guys are amazing. I love you all. I look forward to having each and every one of you back on the show in 2024, as well as some new guests to have fun with and get some great stories. This is a best of, but just a sampling of some of the great stories in 2023 from my guests. You want to go back and listen to the full episodes because there's so much more. Again, thank you so much. I look forward to a successful 2024 at Dairyland Frights. And always stay spooky. And just a little bit about myself. I've been kind of independently working as a paranormal researcher. Um, I've had like odds and end jobs in the background as well. But my main like focus has been paranormal research for, if my memory serves me correctly, like eight years. I was trying to do the math the other day. (laughs) And I'm like, it's somewhere in that like seven, eight year range. (laughs) I'm not the best at math. I'm not going to lie. So, you know, don't quote me on that. But um yeah so for for about um seven or eight years i've been working as a paranormal researcher um kind of digging into different like urban legends and paranormal Mm -hmm. stories um to kind of try to to make sense of it all um if any of your listeners have heard of me or as as you and i have talked i've had a lot of experiences just um you know throughout the years that i've been trying to make sense of Um, and that kind of led me down this this path of paranormal research and paranormal investigations. So, um, yeah, that's kind of that, my background in this in this field. That is awesome. So, C- Courtney has a little bit of a problem. Maybe you can help her listeners. Uh, she's getting locked out of her house by a she believes an entity. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I I don't know what it is. Um it's I there's there's a lot to this house and just to my own like history. I've I've spoke about it in passing um on various different people's podcasts as well as my own. Um but yeah, so this 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 house specifically um has just kind of a weird history to it. Um I don't want to like triangulate to where I I live, right, but no. there it's it hasn't yeah, it, it has a connection to an unsolved murder in my town, um, in in southwestern Montana. Um, nothing happened here, like just to. Oh, okay. I don't know if I'd be able to like yeah, yeah. mentally handle that, just oh, knowing sure. that like some sure. sort of tragedy happened. But this house does have a connection to an unsolved murder in my town. Mm. Um, so there's a part of me that believes that it might be the the victim. Unfortunately. Oh boy. Um. But also, I have just always had paranormal experiences. So who's to say that there's just not something right. else coming in and out? Um, Doesn't know them. Oh, right. For example, so mm, let's take yes. an example. In Madison, yes, please. Majest- Majestic Theater, right? Gorgeous theater uh, built yes. in 1906. So it's over 100 years old. Um, it's this great vaudeville place for decades. Then it kind of runs into disrepair. It's a porn theater for a while. You know, as the as the Barrymore was right by my house, as the Barrymore was too in the nineteen seventies, and so like a lot of these beautiful, a lot of these beautiful movie houses that um, you know, were were great in the early part of the twentieth century. They eventually fall into disrepair and they're just used for skin flicks, and then later on they're renovated into music venues. So you take so. uh, 
first time I went to the Majestic was to see the, like the Rocky Horror Picture Show in the 1990s. And right. they used to have the awesome. Right. They used to have the Rocky Horror on every Saturday night at midnight. And I uh, love Rocky Horror. And so we went down and go watch it and have a great time. A few, you know, a few years later, I'm working on the Madison Ghost Tour. And uh, by this time, the Oriental had shut down as a movie theater. I'm not the, not the Oriental. That Oriental's in Milwaukee, different haunted theater. Um, yeah. The Majestic in Madison. Majestic, you know, Majestic shut down for a while as a movie theater. It's reopened as like a VIP club with bottle service and everything for a while. 2000, you know, four, 2005. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. that shuts down again. And by this point, when I'm working on that, I don't even believe it had reopened as a music venue yet. So now we just had the Majestic mm-hmm. Theater sitting there uh, derelict for several years. Right. And I, I put out a call, you know, probably on the internet or in different places or maybe in the one ads or whatever. You know, when I'm looking for ghost stories, working on the tour. And I'm mm-hmm. looking for things specifically around the Capitol Square because um, I wanted it to be a walking tour. And so I needed a route that mm-hmm. people could do in 90 minutes to two hours, like this, the, like the length of a movie where, mm-hmm. you know, you wouldn't be like, Oh, like, you know, I've been on ghost tours that go for three hours long. It's like, where's the bathroom? Yeah. Guys, I'm going to go on my pants. Right, exactly. And so you need yeah, something yeah. you create, you try to create an experience for people. That's fun. It's interesting and it's comfortable. So it can't be a death mm-hmm. march or whatever. It's got to no. be an. It's got to be. It's got to be an easy walk. It's got to be long yeah. enough so you don't have to worry about a bathroom break. And it's got to be yeah. enough places where you feel like you've seen enough of the city to get a good idea. Yeah. The good idea of it. And right. So I put up my ads looking for. I'm like, hey, anybody had a ghost story in this area? And I get a call from a guy who used to be the stage manager of Rocky Horror at the Majestic in the nineties. And I'm like, all right, right. let's talk to this guy. And he talks about the Majestic Theater. He's like, yeah. He goes, man, that place, super haunted. Um, You know, their dressing room that they, they, he's like, they called it the green room, their dressing room. Yeah. Uh, Where where they would get ready and they, you know, because in Rocky Horror, people haven't seen it. They may have seen it on TV. But the movie theater experience was that there was a live cast in front of the, in front of the screen who would act out the film while the film was going on yeah and so you would you know there's a part they get married you throw rice there was a part with squirt guns uh, depending on the theater and some toast. theaters love the squirt guns some theaters <laughs> right to- that you would just toss these things or, or do these things in the middle of the <laughs> in the middle of the film at these certain points and everybody yeah. would sing along the songs with modified lyrics and and, and the whole deal but a, a live cast would act out the movie in front of you so there would be a, a group of people who had the movie memorized and they would be acting out and do all the things and turn around and, and the scenes, it was just, it was really fun. And, yeah. uh, and you see, he was the guy who kind of got everybody together and stage managed the cast for the, for the Madison production of, of Rocky horror. And he said that in the green room, there was a ghost there that wouldn't leave any of the girls alone. But oh, he, you know, he would hide their brushes, hide their makeup, um, kind of mess with their hair, like pull on their They're hair, a little fresh, and things. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, their theory was that it was a, um, a a spirit who had killed himself inside the Majestic Theater. Of he was an actor back when it was a vaudeville oh. theater a hundred hundred years ago. Oh, sure. And 
And so the yeah. actor had killed, held, killed himself inside the theater over a heart, over a broken heart. And that's why he was okay. annoying, annoying the girls. And they called him Joe. Oh, okay. okay. I was not able to find any. I mean, usually suicides don't get in the newspaper anyway. Um, right. But they, they, I wasn't able to actually, you know, verify anything about this actor that killed himself. But it's an interesting story that they would tell. And yeah. they were definitely having paranormal experiences there. Okay. He says the last night of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, right before the Majestic closed down as a theater, I think, you know, in 2000 or whatever is when it closed down for the first time. Um, yeah. He is walking out of the green room before the show starts and uh, he hears a whisper in his ear, good luck with the show. And there's nobody there. And he's like, I didn't go back. Uh, he's like, that was, the, that was the last time I stepped foot in that, uh, in that green room. I'm <laughs> okay. Fast, fast forward. Okay. So I was working on, I was designing the Madison ghost walk in 2010 and 2013, I'm at a music conference in Chicago. And like I said before, I plan a band, uh, Sunspot, sunspotmusic.com, uh, Dairyland Frights fans. But the, um, Thank you. So, and so I'm at this music conference and I'm hanging out with one of the interns, the Majestic. And we, you know, we, everybody's just talking, we're having beers, talking about music yeah. and music industry and all that kind of stuff and sure. our favorite bands. And, um, she, she asked me, she goes, Hey, you, uh, you know, you're in a ghost stories, right? And I'm like, yes, I am. And she <laughs> says, okay, what can you tell me about the majestic? And I said, okay, why don't you tell me what you know first? Because, you know, you work there. Yeah. She goes, well, I, I don't know too much, but I, I, I tell you, every time I'm in the women's bathroom, I feel something mm -hmm. weird, like somebody's grabbing at me or i'm feeling being watched or it just it's a weird yeah. the, the other the other ladies had that same kind of experience in the bathroom so she goes i we don't really like we don't like the women's bathroom at the majestic i'm like that's interesting because between the 1990s and the 2010s when it reopened as a music venue um the the area that used to be the dressing room the green room is under the stage and so that's what they turned into the bathrooms oh. under the stage. So the very same okay. room, the very same room that the people had the experience in Rocky Horror, where Joe was annoying the girls. Fast forward 20 years, and now it's a girl's bathroom. Now it's not the dressing room. Now it's been remodeled and all those kind of things. Uh, people are having the exact same experiences in the exact same space, decades wow. apart, without even knowing the story of Joe or the kind of legend that had kind of happened in the meantime. Love it. And so to me, that's like, okay, now that's interesting because people from different times who have the same experiences in the same place. And so that one is, is one of my fa favorites in, in Madison, at least of people having similar experiences. Here's, here's one spooky story I can share with all of you. Oh my God. I have so many spooky stories. I'm going to tell you, I've, you know, <laughs> I've told my UFO ones. I'm going to try not to tell that one uh, right now. Okay. People sick of it. <laughs> um, but I'm going to tell <laughs> one that um, I actually had, and I, I have no, um, I don't know what it was or what ended up happening, but I'm going to tell you how it, how it happened. I moved into um, one of these like manufactured home communities uh, years ago when my parents divorced, I was still, I was pretty young. I was, possibly like 20, 20 something. I don't know my twenties. And, okay. um, I had, was living with my mom and my sister. Everything was cool. 
and we lived, our home was in front of a lake, but behind our house, or well, behind us was a lake. In front of us was a landfill. So it wasn't like the best place to live, but it's what my mom could afford at that time and what we can do. But anyway, that's like beyond the point. The point is manufactured home, not, you know, the best quality home sort of stuff. So it was very easy to hear things all the time, especially outside and stuff. And my, my room was the first room as soon as like when you walked into the door, uh, my room was to the left. So I was the first room of the, of the house, let's say. Uh, and my window looked toward the, the, the road. Well, um, couple nights I start waking up hearing these very deep guttural sort of breathing, heavy breathing noises. And that like, I was like, what in hell is, what is outside? I had never heard of that, yeah, right. anything like that before. <laughs> Oh, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I'm like a nature person. I used to like trek the Everglades all the time. I know what a lot of these animals that we have around here oh, sounds wow. like and stuff, right? So like I was just like, okay, I don't know what that is. Yeah. And I remember one night hearing it and it sounded like it was almost like dragging itself across my window, like from on the on the floor. And I was just like, I am terrified. Oh. Like I froze. I was like, I'm terrified. I don't even want to know what that is. So I never looked. Yeah. Anyway, I just like, whatever. Few days pass, maybe months. I really don't know. The timeline's all blurred at this point, right? I just know that another day I woke up to something again making weird noises, but this time it threw a rock at my window. And I hear the rock break (laughs) for the window. And I was like, oh shit. Oh no. I was like, oh shit. Like I was like, what is going on? And at that point, I'm yeah. like, I'm going to ignore it. Like, I'm going to pretend like it's not even there. But as soon as I'm like, I'm going to try to shake this off. Like, I didn't, nothing happened. Nothing broke. You understand? Yeah, as yeah. soon as I said that, I hear these clap, like these, these taps. Like it was, and I, I will never forget how it sounded because it was very short and very quick. It was, and I'm like, what the heck is that? So it was, it just sounded like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell? Yeah. yeah. It wasn't galloping because galloping is more like, da-da, 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 da-da. this wasn't that. This right, was, right. Da, 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 da. and I'm like, oh my God. So the next morning, I'm like, no, I got to investigate. I don't know if I'm hearing things or this is like sleep hallucinations or whatever. So I grabbed my sister. <laughs> I remember grabbing my sister and we had just painted our home. So our house is freshly painted and our driveway is freshly painted. So I go outside. <laughs> And I see the rock on my window, like on the floor. It's still there, broken in pieces. And it was a relatively like nice shaped, like big sized rock. So I was like, okay, well, that's weird. It couldn't have just been kicked up. Do you understand? Like something had to throw it. But the yeah. weirdest, the freakiest uh, thing, yeah. and I will never know what it was, was we it left a half moon shape footmark, a mark on my fresh paint. And it was, it just looked like a little new moon, like a little like crescent moon sort of like, but it, I don't know. Wow. It was the weirdest thing. And we were all looking, my sister and I kind of looked at each other and she was like, Oh, that is weird. What was that? And I was like, I don't know. And I told her everything. And ever since then, like we never heard or saw anything again, but that was, um, that was pretty terrifying. (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. You're braver than me to go outside. I, I imagine you did it in the light of day. Oh, yeah, the next morning. Heck no, I wasn't going out. Right? Night? No, 
No. Okay. No. <laughs> I was like, no. Deborah, what are you doing? Going in the dark? Are you crazy? Nope. Come on, if you see a I know movie. the rules. I know uh, how to be a final girl. Okay. Like it's not like it's not happening. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Okay. So you're gonna die last. For sure. That's good to know. If I'm if we're ever in a situation, yeah. I can count on Deborah. Awesome. <laughs> uh so Vera, do you have a favorite or spooky personal paranormal experience you would like to share with us? Oh, definitely. Of course. I mean, I will have to go back to my cave here that I investigate. Um, And we'll just say that a lot of events ended up tragic from me investigating the cave, as in I lost three chickens because something uh, took them. Don't know if they're killed, but took them because there was no blood. You know, all there was was feathers. And that's a whole other wow. story. But when I did investigate the cave a few months ago and uh, three different mediums from three different states who do not know each other, um, as yeah. I was in there and they had watched a video, they had said that they had seen like a skinwalker type that's in the cave. And oh, I've actually caught... um a very dark black shadow manifesting from an inky blob to mm. a vertical, you you know, human or vertical figure, I should say, because I don't want to, I say it's human because I don't know. But yeah. a, a lot of experiences here have really opened my eyes. They've been more of the negative, um, evil mm. kind of entity. What it said is yeah. that there was a shaman that thousands of years ago, like maybe a thousand, two thousand years ago, had banished yeah. some of the Indians that lived here because they were delving into magic that was not good, of course, for the tribe. And so they were <laughs> banished as skinwalkers in the cave and they are yeah. trying to get me to let them out. That's how it was said to me. Yeah. That's amazing, you know, because obviously you're familiar with Skinwalker Ranch, correct? Of course. And my place has <laughs> been pretty much because I have UFO activity here, um, you know, wow. Bigfoot activity here. Like there is a supposed Sasquatch pod that lives around this property. I've caught the Bigfoot howl on an EVP recorder session before, which, you know, if you go on my Instagram go toward yeah. like the beginning of when I started my Instagram for the conversation cabin. And there you'll find I've posted a lot of the evidence that I've gathered. Again, this is why I started doing it because I don't know yeah. about you, John, but mm-hmm. aren't you tired of like when you tell someone that you saw something or right. you took a picture of something and they say, uh-huh. well, that's not what it is. But then you ask, mm-hmm. okay, well, then tell me what it is. And they can't. Right. So yeah. then I went out there and found my own answers. But again, when I went into the cave the next day, that's when I lost two more chickens. So hmm. something in there yeah. was trying to give me a clue like, do not come into my place or I'm going to come out to your place. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And then. That is absolutely fine, uh, fascinating because I don't know. Here in Wisconsin, our main cryptid is called uh, it's called the Beast of Bray Road. Very, and it very much about that. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a werewolf creature. Um, I talked to uh, 
the owner of American um, Ghost Walks on one of our episodes. And he said that, again, you know, nobody knows what this thing is. It could be an interdimensional being. It could be, you know, some cursed skinwalker. It could be uh, a number of different things. And one of the things he told me, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but he said, when he was out, he was at this barn and he was a kid and, you know, stupid. He has one of those deserted barns in the middle of nowhere, you know, and uh, cliche, scary barns in horror movies and went in there and there were all these chicken bones all over this barn in the walls, on the floor, everywhere. And he was like, how's that, you know, is some kids do that for fun or is this, you know, and this was in that area, too. And people have found, like you said, chicken bones on this area. But no one has really get definitive proof uh, of that. But and, and it's hard to explain, right? It's hard to say, like, well, it's a werewolf. Oh, okay. I get you. Sure it is. Kind of attitude. Right. Um, and, and, you know, there are things out there like that, you know? It, it's It's just hard to prove to somebody who are extremely skeptical about like, well i you know, do have is. a picture of a dog man um oh, it, what awesome. what looks like a dog man and you yeah. know it's actually several times um we have a very strong smell that comes through our air conditioner that's in the bedroom of a very um you know urine very very mm. strong urine like you know three barrels of urine has been dumped right beside our wow. air conditioner and it's just flooding into our house so we have some different you know activity like that as well and you're right you know the one thing that you know everybody wants to see that holy grail but yes. these beings are you know i've talked with the best researchers i've talked with nick valente who is the founder mm. of the international dogman project um wow. jessica jones the cryptid hunters who is like a boots on the ground researcher and i can tell you from you know talking to nick and jessica and some other friends of mine um that are bigfoot dogman kind of cryptid researchers yeah. that there's something out there it's the fact that you have to many people have to start or stop thinking that they're just flesh and blood. They are a, some sort of supernatural as well. Mm -hmm. So then right. that is the way that they are able to stay elusive. They can travel sure. through different portals, you know, from different um, corners of the world. And, mm -hmm. you know, we just cannot be so uh, close minded, narrow minded to think that we're the only living mm -hmm. kind of species humanoid creatures in this entire right. cosmos there's just no right. way and when you look at what we do to each other on a daily mm -hmm. basis no right. this can't mm -hmm. be all that there is because then if there is then someone did something awful <laughs> because you just don't treat yes. people the way that we see the negativity you know being spread and, you know, it's so easy to divide us. So, again, there has to be other things. This was back in, you know, 2009. This would have been like iPhone 1 era. Sure. So a lot of people still had regular, um, not Polaroids, but um, regular 35 millimeter printouts. 
And he sure. showed me this printout of uh-huh. on the main level in one of those corner towers, this wispy apparition of oh, wow. what looked like a man. And this is sounds so cliche. And if somebody told me <laughs> sure. this, I'd call him, say you're full of shit. But <laughs> it looked like a man in a fedora holding a Tommy gun in this wispy apparition. And this was before, wow. you know, modern day. You know, yeah. where it's easy to like Photoshop and print something yeah, out. Like, yeah, yeah. like somebody actually captured this. And I was very intrigued by that. And I wish I had known what happened to that photo because shortly after um, I moved out of that apartment, it was renovated and turned into the Wonder Bar. And uh, it's unfortunate that I think mm. it was a casualty of COVID. Sure. And if you're a Madisonian, you know, there are a lot of people looking to move to the Madison area. They want to live in the yeah. downtown. They want to live by Lake Monona, Lake Mendota. Yeah. And they are tearing things down as fast as they're building it. And this shame. is one of the sites. Yes, it's a shame because we need we need to keep Madison weird and we need to protect some of this historical heritage and not just make right. everything high raise apartments. That's kind of my screed for the evening. But uh it's one of the places that has been on the list of places to tear down and redevelop. And it'd really be a shame because it's, you know, I have a personal connection to it because it was, you know, the first bar that I went to when I came to sure. Madison and right. Yeah, me too. And uh, it just has such a, a rich history of, you know, gangster lore to haunting. Yeah. So it like checks all over the boxes for me. Mm. And if it, if it went away, um, which I assume it probably yeah, will be probably moved will. and reconstructed somewhere if we're lucky, if not raised. But if if it, if it is knocked down, I'm going to have to go grab a brick or something like that for a, a memento because yeah, so yeah, it was a great place and and it's great. So yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I, I, love that. I don't have the best uh, news about that one, but definitely uh, an awesome place yeah. with lots of lots of history and uh, legends. So. What do you think of the list? Is there anything you would add? Is there anything, John, you missed this one? The one that I would add is we were talking about the poor farm, the Wood County Asylum. Let's talk about the Sheboygan Asylum. Oh, now, right. the in it's just outside of, of Sheboygan. Um, the Fox Valley Ghost Hunters, the same group that I went to Summerwind with, they run tours there, and I got a chance to about a year ago to visit and it has a a similar history to the wood county asylum but it sounds like the the treatments weren't as horrific it sounds like they treated their patients a little bit better so um at least that's what they tell you on the ghost home so i i hope that's true but there is a lot of activity there um there's one little room they call the chapel where um you know the tour guides um kind of the, the way that the Fox Valley Ghost Hunters tours work is a lot of times you go on these ghost hunts and they'll, they'll just be like a, a tour guide that will walk you through and tell you like a scary story. Um, with the Fox Valley Ghost Hunters, they're, they're ghost hunters at heart. So they will bring all of their gadgets and gizmos sure. and they will try to involve the group in yeah. a group ghost hunt. And, um, you know, we had the like the EVP, or not the EVP rope, the EMF rope laid out with the little lights on it. And whenever oh, right. something gets near and changes the yeah. EMF, it changes the colors. We got so much activity in that room. 
and wow. uh, a lot of uh, spirit box activity. We got to visit that chapel. We got to visit um, the, there was like a cold storage for the bodies. We got to go into that room and conduct a seance. We got to go into some steam tunnels and had just an incredible uh, experience with the spirit box session there. So anybody who wants a little thrill, I would definitely recommend the Sheboygan County Asylum. And nice. uh, the Great Lakes Paracon is coming up next month. In the paranormal. Okay. Well, I grew up in a haunted home. I had my first experience when I was next six. Younger than my daughter, who I take on my road trips when I can. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I woke up in the middle of the night and looked over and thought my mom was sitting. I had like two twin beds side by side. And I looked yeah. over and thought my mom was sitting with her back to me. And I was like, Mom, and she moved. And when she moved, I could see through her face. And so that Ooh. was like my first experience was a full-bodied apparition. And then wow. she just disappeared. Like, even talking about it, I get like chills thinking about it. Like, yeah, she yeah. disappeared. But, um, yeah, so I I do paranormal road trips. I go around the state of Ohio, but I um, just uh, became the brand ambassador for get haunted so i do my road trips with them but i mainly do my my paranormal road trips and so my hashtags are like be like free and paranormal road trips you'll see me all over socials and you know i i try to bring the history into the haunting because yeah. there's no haunting without history mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that's mine and i love that <laughs> yeah i love that about your clips three I, I i you know when i saw you on uh, I think I saw you on Twitter for the first time. I'm like, I gotta have her on my show. She's so interesting and she goes to interesting places and you're just not there to like, some people are there to scare. You know what I mean? Like we're going to go into the tunnel now and you know, <laughs> Oh my God, there's something in there. Run. And I'm like, okay, you know, I get it. It's fine. But you're a little more informative, a little more fun. And that's what I love about you. So that is awesome. Oh. Thank so you. can I ask you a question about your experience really quick? Yeah. Was this, was this a residual haunting? I mean, did you see this woman? You, you said you didn't see her again. Is that correct? Well, like she I wouldn't show remember. up at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. When you saw, when you were six years old. Um, I don't really remember if I saw her again. I, I, there's no way I will ever forget seeing her because she was it was my mm. mom and when I told my mom the next day she mm -hmm. actually pulled out a picture of my great grandma and that was who I actually had right. seen was a pic with was my great grandma come to find out so um I mean I've yeah. had paranormal experiences my whole life you know mm -hmm. that house I mean we'd have poltergeist activity so wow. uh, even where we live at here there's we've got two Possibly a third spirit. So I don't know if I accidentally oh. brought a hijacker home yeah. or one can uh -huh. sense that I got, yeah. I'm sensitive to stuff. Like I can yeah, sure. hear and talk. So like, I don't yeah. know if one decided to be like, Hey, let me come hang out with you. Cause you know, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. One of my former guests, she has a cave on her land that she believes a cryptid is in there. Cause she has like a farm. And oh, she wow. she woke up one morning and all her chickens were ripped apart, like an animal. And and you know she's like, it's not a wolf, it's not a bear, it's this cre. And she's been in this cave, uh, trying to you know figure it out. 
but she said there's something on there and i'm like damn that is scary you know um i don't know I, i i've never lived in a haunted house but i just love the paranormal just for the sole fact of talking to people like you and everything one thing though i have to ask you a question uh (laughs) is when covid was happening and you were at home did you notice any more like paranormal or less would you say um well i've been in this house since 2021 when covid hit i actually lived in wisconsin i lived in racine so the building that I lived in was one of the original houses on the north end of Racine. It was um, a storefront down below and then like where the family would live up above. And um, I, we always had really heavy activity. The the kids, Mm. like, I don't know if you've ever heard of the hat man. We had, yeah, we had the hat man in the basement that would chase the kids up. Like when it was their turn to go do the laundry, like the hat man would chase them up the stairs and they kept telling us there's, you know, there's a man wearing a hat downstairs and, Mm -hmm. you know, we'd be like, I mean, I mean, I believed in it, but my, my husband at the time was very much like anti-paranormal. And so, you know, I was like, Oh yeah, there's, but then like behind closed doors, I'm like, I totally believe you. Like, I know Mm. he's down there. I haven't seen him, but I believe you. And, um, like, I I would say that there was a lot more activity because, like, um, the, my one son, John, when they closed the schools, like, a couple of his friends didn't have anywhere to go, you know, I Mm -hmm. mean, there there wasn't much to do with kids. And so I was an essential worker and, uh, I was working in an office for a company that made, um, parts for like air tanks and um, like the stands oh, sure. that you see the uh, the Purell pumps in, like they made those stands. Sure. So oh, sure. um, I was in the office handling all the orders, but I was like, you know, if you've got mm. a friend that needs a place to go, I mean, I know we're not supposed to be around each other, but by God, I'm yeah. not going to let a kid be home alone, you know, like bring your no. friends over. And sure. um, uh, it did pick up because one of his friends, like, started antagonizing and like i walked i got home one night and he was in there antagonizing yeah. and i was like no we don't do yeah. that in this home you're not the one who right. lives here we do but ironically mm-hmm. whenever he was in the house the spirits would like and it was they started antagonizing him back oh, <laughs> like they sure. weren't oh, mean boy. to him but they oh, would sure, start messing you. with him and his stuff and so he got to the yeah, point yeah. where he was like all right mom i'm not gonna do it again and i'm like thank you like you're gonna learn your yes. lesson you know like yeah and like one of the boys was like oh my god there's a demon in here and i'm like no it's it's no you're being an asshole and they're being an asshole back okay like, <laughs> right what do you expect? exactly <laughs> you yeah. know i'm not gonna go to your house and like start picking on you and right name calling and expect you yeah. to just be like oh i love you you can stay forever you know <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and that's one of the things about people don't understand about spirits is they were alive at one time, right? Yeah. And just like a regular person, is I come up to Bree and say, hey, Bree, your hair looks terrible tonight. You'd be like, what? You know, screw you, John. <laughs> it looks great, by the way. It oh, looks great. You. But if I said that, then, you know, it would be like, hey, that's kind of hurtful. I'm going to mess with your hair, right? If you're a spirit and you would like, 
whatever yeah. to do something to my hair, maybe, right? Just a oh, mess. totally. Right. But if I say, oh, Brie, you look beautiful tonight, you beautiful hair, you might be like, oh, thanks, John. And, you know, maybe put a yeah. cookie out for me or something. I don't know. <laughs> I would do something nice, yeah, you know, like yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I got one here that yeah. likes to help with the laundry. So, you know, maybe I'd go help with your laundry. Oh, can I have that? <laughs> right? I call him Bob. So, I, nice. I don't know where Bob came from, but Bob's what keeps popping in my head. Right. So, we just we nice run with it. It's Bob that's in the basement and likes to fold laundry. He keeps opening the dryer. So, oh, oh it's so nice of Bob. Uh, so, do you have a Brie, a personal paranormal experience that you like to share with my audience? It can be scary, it can be funny, whatever you want to share. That's your one of your favorites. Oh my gosh, I've got so many, especially now that I've been doing a lot of like events and investigations. Um, yeah, you're right. More, yeah, I, I'm I'm out there. Like I'm actually going to be going to an investigation this Saturday too. So. Oh, You'll nice. Seeing that, yeah, I'll be going live from. I'm hoping the Wi-Fi will work and I can go live from the location. I'm <laughs> real excited. So, um, yeah. the building in Racine, actually, um, the owner was selling it, and so we had. Uh, I had to come home from work to let a bunch. Like, there's like two or three different realtors that were coming through, and they each had like two or three different groups that they were walking through. And we have mm -hmm. cats. So I was like, well, I need to be there to make sure these cats, you know, my rescues don't get out. I'm not a crazy cat lady, but all the, I had a cat and each kid had a cat. So sure. we had four cats. <laughs> right. But, um, so, you know, I, I made sure they did the walkthrough of the, the living quarters upstairs and they went down afterwards to the, the empty shop below us. And, Mm -hmm. They were supposed to lock up when they were done. So I go downstairs and the yeah. door is like wide open. And I'm like, okay. So like what? I'm calling out. Yeah, like, yeah. Is anybody in here? Nobody's responding. So I'm calling like the landlord. And I'm like, can you verify that everybody's done? They left the door open. And I know you mm -hmm. told them to shut everything up. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got the text. All the realtors are done. You can yeah. go ahead and, and close it up. And I'm like, okay. Well, when. Like where I was at was the, we always use the back entrance to the building. And sure. so you got the back yeah. door and then there's the door that goes down yeah. to the basement, the door that goes upstairs, mm -hmm. and then the door that's straight ahead that would go into the shop. Yeah. But that door, if you slammed it, like you had to slam it hard because it was like a door that would pop back. And so like I get, I mean, I, I put every ounce of weight behind it, slammed it and the door bounced back. And I'm like, well, that shouldn't have mm. happened. So I go to close it. And an arm reaches out, like I can see another, like I can oh. see the body, I can see the arm wow. reaches out, and it's got like the Victorian lace. Like I even got goosebumps talking about it right now. Oh yeah, yeah, I can yeah. See the Victorian lace going down her arm, and it came to like the V, and it was like a gray arm that you could see straight through. Grabbed Ooh. the handle of the door and slammed the door shut, and I was like, uh -huh. "With that, I'm going back to work." <laughs> I was yeah. like, "You have a good night. I'll, I'll see you in a couple hours." You know, <laughs> so that, that, that was is... probably one of my favorites because to see full-bodied apparitions, to see you know, especially to see them yes. grab a physical object and manipulate that physical mm -hmm. object you don't ever you know how often do you really see that yeah, how, you know yeah I mean, yeah so that's and probably it, one of my favorites oh i love that story uh <laughs> so i 
I'm a pretty big guy, but I am. I always tell my spooky friends, I am not ashamed to say I would scream like a little girl and run the other way. You are more braver than I am. Yeah, I'd scream like a little girl and bam, I am gone. And people would be like, what is that little girl? Oh, it's a guy. Uh, oof. You're my hero. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I won't lie. I mean, <laughs> I, I did turn around pretty quick and I was like, you have a good day? I'm locking up. I'm leaving now. And lo and behold, uh, bam. During that sickness is must, must have been when it attached to me. Mm-hmm. So as we drove away from the cemetery, I started feeling better and better and better. And finally, we got about three miles away. I was fine. Yeah. So over the next month, um, something was tormenting my daughter. Uh, mm-hmm. She was seeing a shadow in the room every night. Um, oh. Larry and I tried to film it. Uh, I called him immediately and told him what was going on. Uh, mysteriously, the camera that I would set up get, kept getting turned off. Um, and I had a pretty new son in the house at the time. Okay. So, uh, you know, we, uh, we decided that, you know, it was an attachment and when it really, when it really showed itself to me and I'm empathic. So, you know, I'm not sensitive. I'm not psychic, but I'm empathic. And sometimes, you know, little things get thrown into the back of my head from spirits, you know, a name or a phrase or something or a feeling. And, um, and, uh, I was standing outside and I was talking to my good friend, Tom, and he was from Massachusetts and he ran a, uh, team out there. And I was telling Tom, you know, Tom, there's something in my house. And I was standing in my backyard and my kids had a swing set and there was two swings. All of a sudden, John, one of them started moving and picking up speed. Oh, oh. And then it stopped abruptly. And I'm telling Tom what's going on. And all of a sudden, in in my head, I can hear, I'm going to do what I want around your daughter. And there's not a damn thing you can do to stop me. Oh, no. Oh, wow. So what I'm getting at is, is it's hard enough to fight something. And it's really hard when you can't see it. Yeah, yeah. And uh so Larry and I uh enlisted uh a friend of ours who's a psychic and um enlisted another friend of ours who I'm not I'm not gonna mention their names because the the one psychic who actually helped us do this does not want to have to do this anymore. So oh, um gotcha. Yeah, that's she uh you know, she has to remain nameless in the whole thing. But uh, yeah. Larry and I performed a cleansing in the house. Good. And uh, it was the most wild thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, prior to this, you know, our interactions with people with juju powers are extremely limited. We're just a bunch of fat yep. dudes that like to right. Part of the big issue up here is we have a lot of limestone. Uh, we are right. an escarpment. Uh, it's part of the Niagara escarpment, but that limestone continues out of the bluffs down underwater, and yeah. so uh, there's a lot of uh, you know a lot of hazards and a lot of uh, reefs and shoals that uh, you need to avoid. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how to navigate the area, uh, you can get in a lot of lot of trouble. And Death's Door happened to be 
you know, that was like the doorway into Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was actually uh, named by the French um, after they had found the evidence of a Native American battle that occurred up there. Mm-hmm. And they had found so many uh, skeletons that had been washed up on the mm-hmm. beaches of that area. And they heard stories for the few witnesses that were still alive when they came through. Yeah. Uh, that, that's when they named it La Porte de Mort. And the, the British uh, translation of that was Death's Door. And that was actually the suggestion to actually name our county Death's Door County at one point. Right. Um, luckily, we were a long, thin county, and that didn't all fit on the map. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Death's Door is, is exciting. And there, there's a shipwreck story I do tell um, that's very apropos to, uh, to that situation. Yes. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into this a lot of the different stories here. So I have to ask you this, Ed. Before you started doing the tours, were you interested in the paranormal? Did you believe in ghosts, or has did your mind change once you started doing the tours? Well, I I wasn't all in on the mm-hmm. whole ghost thing. I was very skeptical about all of it, and yeah. just uh, not not a non-believer, but somebody who was very intrigued by it and kind of hoping. You know, that boy, sure. it'd be neat to have this experience to really confirm my beliefs, but never really, always skeptical mm-hmm. yeah. thing. Yeah. So it wasn't until that date in uh, basically, well, it was right after August 21st of 2017, when that solar eclipse occurred, mm-hmm. that we had just an explosion mm-hmm. of facial images that people were taking. We had prior to that, I mean, there might have been four or five in a week's time, and we sure. do these tours. We start on Memorial Day weekend. We go every night um, of the week, seven nights a week, all the way through Halloween and some years after, um, depending on what the uh, what the demand is. Mm. And we have a minimum of two trolleys per night, and mm. um, we're we're going at it heavy duty. And all of a sudden, you know, we're getting four to five per week of these wow. images. Not. You know, not the explosion that occurred mm-hmm. after that solar eclipse. All of a sudden, we're getting 14 to 18 per tour. Mm-hmm. Everybody taking pictures wow. on the tour was getting a facial images. Yeah, yeah. Different images, different windows. Um, and so I'm thinking, what's going on here? You know, is it the right. fact iPhones are just getting better? <laughs> you know, they're getting their quality, yeah. more of the imperfections in the windows. What's going on here? So I snapped a picture of every single window in that house um, about three days after the 21st. That would be put me about August 24th. Okay. And when I got home that night, I opened up all the pictures I did. And the very first one I took was the very best facial image I have ever seen coming out of that. Of magic and so forth. So many magic workers avoid the terms entirely. So Cynthia... Do you and, and, and not even bring that up when people ask you? Um, when people ask me, are you are do you black why magic? Yeah, right. Right. Um, that's um, that's interesting, but I I I can't answer that uh, specifically because mm-hmm. um, but I told you uh, some things I do is white magic and sometimes. Um, I do black magic, but never mm-hmm. to harm uh, other people. And um, the, the the kind of black magic I do is, I think, uh, work with demons. And for me, it's not black magic, but it's uh, uh, a subject from the black magic. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if you search that uh, on Google right. or um, in a, in the books, uh, it's always black magic, black pact, uh, pact with the devil. Um, <laughs> but it's also what are you uh, what are you doing with that? Um, sure. A little while ago, I uh, had a new book, and uh, it's about satanic rituals. So I think, oh, that's uh, that's nice, and uh, I uh, I'm going to read that. And uh, uh-huh. there was a uh, 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 um, episode, uh, and there uh, is uh, saying for you uh, must kill a goat and uh, drink his blood. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and people think that that's it's black magic, uh, satanic uh-huh. magic, Luciferian uh, right. magic. Um, that that's what they do. They offer uh, uh, animals mm-hmm. or people. Uh, and they drink blood, and that's not how it works. Um, being a satanic uh, witch or a satanist is um, the magic word in that is freedom. Um, and everywhere it's uh, you must do this, you must do this. Um, and that's not uh, in the satanic Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, you right. must do what you want. Correct. Um, as long as you don't harm uh, any other people, yes. and uh, be what you want. Um, I love that. I think a lot of people love that because yeah. um, I know the Satanic Temple. I'm a member of the Satanic Temple, and there mm-hmm. is um, an, um, a high priest uh, or the set of the Satanic Temple in Salem, and he is uh, uh, gay, and he say. Um, in the church, nothing except nobody except me. And here, uh, with the satanic temple, I can be myself. Um, I can do right. what I want. People accept, accept me for who I am and what I am. Yeah. And that's, uh, I call it freedom. And that's the key word in um, the satanic uh, witchcraft and the satanic uh-huh. uh, uh, church and the Bible, uh, freedom. And uh, that's... Uh, I love that kind of uh, yeah, of the satanism. Yes, and and again, you know, always talk about the witches and stuff like that. Well, like I said, they've done some of the research to find out. Okay, how did that start? And that's kind of what the spirit tour kind of walks you through. It takes you to some of these locations that are, you know, some of these legends and lore, and you actually get a lot more of the truth of the historical part of how that came about. <laughs> oh, definitely. <clears throat> I'll let you talk about Mary Worth, okay. Dave. Well, I first heard about Mary Worth from Lizzie Wright, the, the town historian. And she said that Mary Worth was a self-proclaimed witch. And so the, the legends of Mary Worth are you, you hear Mary everywhere, you know, about throughout the United States. And Whitewater, it seems to be kind of the uh, the focal point of the where Mary Worth maybe existed. We haven't found her grave yet. Um, we've heard lots of stories about where she may be buried. Um, the, the legend here is that Mary, uh, when she came to the end of her life and was, was quite ill, she said she wanted to be buried in Hillside Cemetery. And the, the, the local uh, uh, Managers there, uh, the board said that, no, you can't be buried in hallowed ground. So we won't allow a witch to be buried in our hallowed cemetery. 
And she said, if you don't bury me there, I'll curse this whole city. So the legend says that they put her in an above ground crypt. She wasn't buried in hallowed ground. She was above ground. So a loophole. <laughs> so she may be there. We don't know. You know, there are there are two crypts, uh, actually more than that, there's three crypts, but there's two crypts that are fairly well known now in Hillside. One is called the Public Crypt, which was the uh, temporary holding uh, vault for bodies uh, during the winter. It was too difficult to dig graves in the wintertime. They didn't have the big machinery they have now, so they would put them in cold storage, basically an above-ground crypt called the Public Crypt. There are racks inside the crypt, which are still there, and we'll get to and see. You, and you do get to see those on the tour. Yeah. And going. The crypt is open. Yes, uh -huh. the crypt is open for the tour. Yep. So that we would store bodies. It would probably hold a dozen or so, I would guess, yeah. coffins there. Uh, so in the springtime, when the ground thawed, then they would dig, you know, the, the graves and put them in their final resting, you know, graves. Um but right next door to it is another crypt, and it's kind of a mysterious one. And we aren't quite sure uh, what happened there. But uh, I, when I was in school here in the 70s, in uh, about 1971, there was a break-in of that crypt. And vandals had uh, uh, destroyed some of the uh, the, the coffins and and scattered bones of those that were in those coffins in that crypt. And they also took one of the, there was a baby coffin there that they removed from there and took it over to the campus and put it in the fountain. I was going to class and I saw this gathering of, of people around the fountain and there was this baby coffin in the fountain. So the police came then and, and took it back and replaced it back into the, into the proper crypt. And, uh, then the gates to that crypt, the doorways, were welded shut. They didn't want anybody breaking into it again. So a terrible thing to happen to desecrate the graves, you know, but or desecrate the you know, their the resting place of, of those people. And there's a, a few coffins still in there. Um, but anyway, um, so the legend was that Mary Worth was buried in that in that crypt. We don't know that for a fact, but, you know, it's kind of mysterious that uh, there aren't too many records about Mary Worth. Um, the census of, what, 1890? Yeah. 1890, the, the census was burned in a, in a fire, so the records were lost. So that, that, whole, that whole census was, was lost in the fire. Well, it doesn't it doesn't help with the fact that that crypt also the top of it where normally you would see like a family name and stuff is all kind of been um, sandblasted off. And I think I remember that I remember when I was in there before this happened was when I was looking at, uh, you know, looking for grave sites, uh, historical grave sites. I remember that crypt very well. And, and the the the. Uh, inscription on top of the crypt was pretty plain after that crypt was broken into that was removed i think people to to obscure it so people wouldn't know where to look you know for mary worth so called the morgan crypt 
I, I can't say it was specifically Mary Worth that we were trying to conjure. Um, that was 35 years ago, and it might have been after a, partaking a little bit that evening. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, sir, done. Yeah, yeah, a few spirits myself. Um, but yes, did the Ouija board um, near the cemetery on campus, and it. I doing the Ouija board there and in a couple of apartments um, when I was in college, it really freaked me out because the answers that you get were way too accurate. And um, yeah, I haven't done the sense. So I wouldn't say the cornfield was necessarily connected to Mary Worth. It was just, I just remember as a freshman, you know, that was one of the things they'd try to scare you with, you know, because the campus butts up right at that point, right up to farm fields. And, um, and that was always the legend was at the cornfield just on the North end of campus that you, you couldn't, you couldn't go across it. You couldn't make it all the way through um, from one end to the other on Halloween. That the spirit, the spirit would get you. The children, <laughs> I, that might have been before children in the corner. Not really that I've, cause I've actually delved into i couldn't tell you how many records here and still do um the amount of rabbit holes i go down is is scary i'll tell you that um but i haven't found anything that even says anything like that no i think i think mary worth is pretty well known in this town the legend of mary worth is is pretty pretty common um but i don't there was no trial i you know I think the records of her have been just lost. Yeah. If there uh, if there was a real person of Mary Worth, there's no record of her. Uh, I remember uh, speaking to a elderly uh, person. I won't mention his name, but he was the chairman of the cemetery committee at the time years ago, and we talked about Mary Worth. He said, "You don't you don't want to talk about her." And kept pressing him for more information. And he said, is she buried there at Hillside? And she said, don't talk, we don't talk about that. And then he finally said, she's been removed. Or relocated. Relocated. And that was it. Don't want to talk anymore about it. So very mysterious. We ventured up to the water tower. And we decided that we were going to jump the fence and go in. And yeah, yeah. So at that point, it was just more like a chain link fence. And at the top, you had barbed wire, but it was pointed in. So, you know, most places have barbed wire that's pointed out to try to keep you from getting in. Well, this was tipped inward. So it was almost like it was trying to keep something from getting out from inside. And had it not been, had it not been one of my shoelaces catching on the barbed wire, I might have wound up inside the gate that night. A friend, a friend of mine did, and he, <laughs> again, this could have been maybe alcohol-induced, but he was trying to climb out a couple of times. We were trying to help him out, and he kept saying, dude, something's pulling me back. Something's pulling me back. Dude, something's got me. And when he came out, he had where Barb Wire had, had gotten him on the palm of his hand, and I don't know. I look at mine, and I don't see marks, but anyways, it formed like crossing. It formed crosses on both of his on both of his palms with the blood. But yeah, he was the one that got into the 
into the um, water. Well, he didn't get in the water tower, but he got inside the fence. And then the cops might have done a patrol around there, and I learned how to climb a tree really fast. And <laughs> so, but, but yeah, no. So even then, it was you know that was again one of the, the one of the legends that you start hearing as soon as you're a freshman. Mostly you thing to go underground passageways built beneath the hotel during the bootlegging days contained the lost treasures of Al Capone and. John Dillinger. So if you know anything about John Dillinger, he was a bad guy. He was a nasty dude. And those two guys together supposedly took all their ill-gotten gain and all their money and put it underneath this place. So people claim there's treasure. Now, right, you think somebody would have found it by now, but who knows? I don't know. You know, I just thought that was interesting that Al Capone and John Dillinger... Yeah, and why not us to find the treasure, you know? <laughs> why not? Hey, you know, it's good support for the podcast. Uh, <laughs> so as you see, it's, again, it's very Al Capone, John Dillinger, people dying in their sleep, uh, burned down twice on the same day, or burned down three times on the same day, and so on and so forth. A portal to hell, which I always love that. Because it's always like we can't find heaven, but there's like portals to hell everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, everywhere, right? And isn't there a theory that Al Capone made a deal with the devil to escape capture? Yes. Am I I jumping ahead? (laughs) No, 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 no. It it, it is a true story that I'd love to do some Al Capone paranormal stuff. Because also Al Capone was known to believe in witchcraft and known to believe in the paranormal. and a lot of people don't bring that up. And in fact, I would like to look up someday, I'll do an episode on this. So the St. Valentine's Day mac- uh, massacre, I don't know I'm getting off here on a side note, but anyway, the garage that this all these men were, well, murdered, uh, supposedly the bricks are cursed, and the hotel, uh, not the hotel, but the garage is all cursed. So like people... When they were uh, renovating this garage where this Saint uh, Master happened on Saint Valentine's Day, some people took the bricks, uh, bricks, excuse me, you know, for novelty, right? Well, these bricks are so cursed that people who have them, people die in the family, they get in a car accident, they lose their job, they they get divorced, like every terrible thing, uh, and, and people don't know where the bricks are anymore; they just don't know. Like some guy just said, "Oh, get him out of my house," and we right. nobody knows where those bricks are. Bricks are so. <laughs> See, this is a common trend. When you visit a site of something terrible happening, just leave everything. Just yeah. don't take anything. Why yeah. risk it? Why risk it? Exactly. So it can it can be any experience, spooky, uh, personal, like scary. It could be like anything you want. Go back is when you were a little kid to now. So tell me a story like you had that you're like, oh man, that was. I remember that. (laughs) So I, there was, you know, when I was younger, uh, I think a lot of younger people are afraid of ghosts and spooky stuff Mm -hmm. and stuff. You know, I 
what was that sound that came from outside? And so I, right. I tended to be a little like, oh, wh- wh- what's that? You know, and mm-hmm. um, our the way our house, the house was that I grew up in, my parents' mm-hmm. room was at one end of the house and mine was oh. at the complete opposite end of the house. Oh, boy. Uh, and there were a lot of doors in between. Yeah. And yeah. I grew up, uh, I got up in the middle of the night one night to go to the bathroom and I had mm-hmm. to walk through the family room and the kitchen to get to the mm-hmm. bathroom. And off of that kitchen straight line, um, mm-hmm. we had a laundry room. The lights were off. There was a light on in the kitchen. Mom and dad always left a, you know, the stove light on or something. And I heard footsteps from the family room or from the yeah. laundry room. Yeah, right, right. I could see directly into that room and there was no one there. There was nothing in there. It wasn't so dark that I couldn't see. And I heard distinct footsteps and a dragging sound. And I was probably, I'm thinking about 13 at the time, 13, Uh 14, uh the most. I suddenly did not have to go to the bathroom. (laughs) And I ran back to my bedroom and got in bed and was terrified of whatever that footstep dragging sound was yeah. i don't know uh-huh. but i remember yeah. just being scared oh, wow. to death yeah. about it yeah and then yeah. in high school we mm-hmm. had um for a creative writing uh class we had to write a true story and i wrote about this story and my teacher yeah. gave me a bad grade on it which pissed me off no, because she on, said teacher. it wasn't believable Right. What? She said, if come on, why wouldn't I have gone to wake up my parents to tell me to yeah. tell them about it? Right. And I was like, because yeah, the, who wakes up their yeah. parents when they're that old? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the other thing is, um, can you share uh, a spooky uh, personal or favorite story? It can be funny. It can be really spooky. Uh, if you could share one, I always love to hear that from my guests. Yeah, just like an experience I've had or something. Yes, experience, you know, anything. Absolutely. Oh, I have so many, actually. Um, they're mostly That's from my childhood. Says. Yeah, it's true. Um, it is, right? Yeah. Let's see. There's There's one that I really like telling that involves my sister primarily, um, but I've witnessed all of it. And I really like this story. I've actually told it on the podcast before, so you may have heard it. But I like this story because I have no explanation for it. And it's not like a typical ghosty story. It's just very interesting. So sure. Um, my sister was over at our next door neighbor's house one day, like the house that sits right in front of our old house. So, you know, you'd walk out the front door, see them right there, see the front yard. And that's important to the story. So she was on a a rope swing, just playing, you know, with the kids. You remember those dangerous Mm -hmm. rope swings that should be outlawed now? (laughs) Yes, they should be. They're so dangerous. Yeah, I know. It's a string of death. (laughs) Yeah, really? Rope of death. My neighbor, uh, Chris, was swinging her and, like, kind of, like, twisting Mm. the rope, like, spinning her around. And the rope just kept twisting tighter and tighter and tighter. And it got caught around her hair. And I didn't see all of this at the time because I was in Mm. my backyard. Mm. 
but mm-hmm. they're in the front yard playing, doing all this. My parents have friends over yeah. in the house for like some kind of church event. Okay. And I'm in the backyard and I hear this like snapping sound and a blood curdling scream. Ooh. And the scream sounded like not my sister at all. It sounded like an older woman. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it freaked me out. It was clearly a very sure. alarming scream. So I sprinted oh, to the yeah. fence and I climb up the fence and I'm looking over to the front yard of my neighbor's house where the sound came sure. from. Okay. And all I see is the back of my sister's head mm. and her body hanging three, four okay. feet up from a rope. And the rope appears to be around her neck. Oh. So I go into no. full panic mode. I think I was oh, yeah. maybe like 13, 14 when this happened. And my sister's four years younger than me. So nine, 10. Mm-hmm. So I run around, run through the house really quickly so I can tell my parents. Yeah. Yeah. Carly says outside, this is happening, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We got to go. Yeah. And then like within right. less than a minute, we're all across the street in front of my sister to help her. Mm-hmm. My neighbor, Chris, is nowhere to be found. <laughs> I think he ran off and freaked out. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Carlisa said he ran inside to get some scissors or something to try to uh-huh. cut it down. I don't know. Yeah, but okay. he's nowhere well, to be found. Yeah. But what's really interesting about this story, right? It's terrifying. We want to make sure she's okay. Like I said, we were there within less than a minute. When we get there, mm-hmm. this woman had appeared from what seemed to be out of nowhere and mm-hmm. was holding my sister on her shoulders. Hmm. And what I saw was a shorter Hispanic woman. She was mm-hmm. she was quiet. I don't remember her saying anything to us. And she was just tr- kind of struggling to hold my sister up on her shoulders because she was such a small statured woman. Sure. But she was, you know, kind of alleviating that weight from my sister. The rope was entangled very tightly around her hair. Okay. And she ended up losing a lot of her hair from that accident. She had to like grow it back and everything. Um, oh, but boy. she, I think, you know, did she had less of an injury thanks to mm. this woman. Yeah. So anyway, my parents get there and they're like, you know, thank you, ma'am, so much. We've got it now. And so my dad kind of steps in to help. And as soon as my dad stepped in, this mm. woman vanished, completely Ooh. gone. And where we are situated in the neighborhood, it's not like we're right on a corner and she could have just like, whoop, like darted off. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was adrenaline losing lapses yeah. of time and her just walking away sure. and us not noticing. Like she right. really vanished. And the other really weird thing about all of it is, like I said, she didn't say a word to us. And then later, when my sister was fine and we untangled the rope and all that kind of stuff and we're just kind of reflecting on it. Me and my parents and my sister were all like, wow, like, thank God for that woman, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for some reason, we started describing her. (laughs) I guess maybe we found subconsciously something odd about her. So I was like, yeah, like, for some reason, I started talking about how she had dark hair and blah, blah, blah. And my dad was like, no, what are you talking about? She was like a tall woman with light hair. Mm-hmm. and my mom said she was a redheaded woman like we all had vastly sure. different descriptions of her yeah so it was a very strange experience and my sister has had some other experiences where like yeah. kind of like near death or near accident experiences mm-hmm. 
where she should have been hurt or even like killed and she was completely fine. Um, Mm -hmm. And there would be weird things where it was like something, it seems like something it has attached to her and is protecting her in life. Interesting. So, but that's like one of my favorite stories. I I love that story and I don't have an explanation. You take things, like I said, you don't take things seriously, but you've had some pretty cool adventures. Do you want to talk about any of those to my spooky friends, especially being locked up in a jail? (laughs) <laughs> talking about right now so, she didn't yeah. do anything she didn't yeah. do anything chelsea didn't do anything all right let me make that clear she yeah. did this on purpose they locked me <laughs> down they finally caught me <laughs> um that's a different tape people yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah uh my friends and I had start decided that we wanted to investigate and um kind of have our own experiences and I thought it'd be great for the show to uh, be able to speak about my personal experiences as well. So now yeah. I've been to an investigation at the Missouri State Penitentiary. Um, also been to the Squirrel Cage Jail here in Iowa. And that yeah. that one we stayed the entire night um, and mm. had some really, really cool interactions there. Nice. And let's give the spooky friends a little tease. What kind of name one interaction at the squirrel jail in Iowa that you had that really didn't really shake you, but kind of made you like, Ooh, okay. What the hell was that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll give you, I'll give you my best one that I had there. Love it. (laughs) Um, I had gone to use the restroom. There's one working restroom in the jail. I love that my story's starting out that way, but, (laughs) uh, so I was off on my own. And my friends were on the total opposite side of the jail. Mm-hmm. And I was washing my hands. And as I'm kind of scrubbing and I'm looking down, I watch as the faucet turns by itself and the water shuts off. Nice. And I was oh like, oh my goodness. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and y- you. Why don't you start and uh, cover your cryptid? All right. So um, today I've decided to cover the puck wedgie. Um, mm. I got interested in the puck wedgie few years ago. I didn't even know that they existed. Um, I was actually listening to Lore, the podcast. And oh, um, sure. yeah, uh, so he talked about the puck wedgie in one of like his first season episodes or something. And I was like, what is that? Like, I've never heard of that. Since since then, I've been like super intrigued. So I decided that I wanted to tell a story, something probably a little different from what we've probably heard about the Pukwudgie and even maybe some Native American lore, because um, as you'll see, uh, it is this mythology is Native American. So I'll be reading uh, and uh, I hope uh, you like it. So the word Pukwudgie stems from the Native American tongue. The lore is associated with the Algonquin, the Ojibwe and the Wampanoag tribes, among others. Uh, the root baguaj or baguaji actually means wilderness or wild. And so the native word is actually baguajinini, which mm. then translates to uh, a little person or a person of the woods or the wilderness or the wild. Mm. So uh, if you really think about it, the word uh, baguajinini kind of sounds like pukwaji which is actually where it stems from. So the Native American word is baguajinini. Pakwaji is like the way that us Native Americans came and we just modernized it or made it ours. Sure. 
So Pukwudgies are typically described as small creatures who dwell in the forest. They're about knee high to three feet tall. Their faces are somewhat human-like. Uh, they've been described with front-facing eyes. They tend to have like larger noses. Sometimes they're described with like long ears or pointy ears. Uh, kind of reminds me of like a troll or a goblin. Okay. Right? Yeah, troll. Gotcha. Yeah. Their skin oftentimes is kind of gray, maybe smooth, or they'll have fur on them. And if not, uh, even porcupine quills, which oh. is kind of oh, that's interesting. and weird. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but they walk on two legs. So you won't see them on four. You'll see them oh, on okay. two. Okay. I got two legs. Gotcha. Yeah. So according to the Native American lore, uh, these creatures have long existed in North America way before the settlers came in. Um, and for a while, the Bagwajinini or the Pukwajis lived actually in harmony with humans. Uh, but really? apparently that changed. Uh-oh. Yes. So one legend from the Wampanoag says that everything between the Bagwajinini and the humans was great until humans got distracted with their relationship with Mashup. Now, Mashup is a giant, very benevolent creation or creator deity. And he is the person who was responsible for creating the Cape Cod area of Massachusetts. Okay. So it seems that Mashop uh, was beloved by the humans and the Pukwajis kind of got a little jealous. So they became a little mischievous, you know, trying to get attention from the people. Uh, but this actually bothered the people and aggravated them. So they complained to Mashop and they said, hey, these Pukwajis, they're bothering us. So Mashop was like, cool, okay, I'm going to take care of it. Um, and he went <laughs> and he scattered the Pukwajis uh, all through New England. Well, mm. as you can think and probably determine that, you know, the Pukwajis weren't very happy with that. Mm. So Mashup um, and his wife, uh, who's uh, known as Granny Squanet, mm. left for a little bit. Okay. And in their absence, the Pukwajis returned. But this time they returned with a vengeance because they were heat uh -oh. mode. They were PO'd. Uh, mm. And so what instead of being mischievous and kind of just bothering people, they really took it up a notch. They started kidnapping children, burning mm. villages. Uh -oh. And yeah. And then um, apparently they even, you know, just outright killed people. <laughs> oh, okay. That is up a notch. Yeah. And this is like the first level of ghosting, right? This is like the, we like ghosted them. We're like, hey, you know, Puck Wedgie's cool. We're, yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey, why'd you return in my car? But Puck Wedgie, let's go. What's going on here? Yeah, they, they went from zero to psycho really quick. Ooh. So, <laughs> reminds me of an ex girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, so it turns out, you know, uh, the, so Granny Squanet and Masha find out that they're like basically mm -hmm. killing the tribe's people and they come mm -hmm. back and Masha's like don't worry I got my five sons I'm gonna they're gonna take care of the problem okay sends his five sons over the five sons get lured and tricked because the Pukwajis are tricksters they get mm -hmm. tricked by the Pukwajis um mm -hmm. and lured into a trap where they all get mm -hmm. shot dead basically by magical arrows wow so at this point, Mashup is really PO'd and he's like, I'm going to do it myself. He goes to take care of the problem. Yeah, yeah. But again, the Pukwudgies are like, we're smarter than you. And they mm. lure Mashup they? to, a, I guess, this place in the woods where they shoot mm. him with arrows. Now, the thing about the lore is we it's not determined whether they kill Mashup 
or mm-hmm. if mashup just decides to like you know turn it in like white flag mm-hmm. like give up yeah, and yeah, leave right, yeah right because he doesn't show up back in the lore after that apparently uh-huh. from what i was okay. gathering so right. it was pretty serious like these pukwudgies um mean business yeah and actually <laughs> yeah so Damn. translate that to today Pukwudgies are actually still known to be tricksters. Uh, mm. They're also known as killers. They lure you to the cliffs and push you oh. off. All right. Uh, yeah. They shoot you with arrows. And they're known to also kidnap children. And they're shapeshifters, apparently. So they so can shapeshift. That is a heck of a combination. <laughs> a shapeshifter, I could trick you. I'm smarter than you. I'm going to push you off a cliff. And then I'm going to shoot you with an arrow just to make sure you're dead. Okay. No, and if that wasn't enough... Apparently, okay. he, yeah, as when they kill you, they yeah. actually still have control of your spirit. What? I know. So, like, it translates to the other side. Like, these things are ridiculous. Like, I'm just like, what? Ridiculous. Yeah, they're probably my favorite cryptid. Um, it's just co- it's so crazy. Um, so apparently, if, like, obviously, if you see one, you're supposed to leave it alone. I had a paranormal experience at the age of 11 and, mm-hmm. uh, it was, um, so crazy to where, um, and I talk about that on the show also, that's probably the first episode. And, uh, that question, everything going forward from that point. So I've always been, you know, looking and, uh, trying to dive into the paranormal just to see what you know, that experience that I had, you know, and, um, you know, have others, you know, had those type of, um, same, uh, you know, same things happen to them. And, uh, so, you know, throughout the years, I've always talked, you know, about paranormal, the paranormal activities that go on in people's homes and, uh, the experiences that people have. And, um, so, you know, that kind of prompted me, you know what, I need to start a podcast. And then, so I, went ahead and uh, started this podcast, Strange Darkness Radio. Nice. So I have to ask, Bobby, tell me a little bit. I know you probably have already said it to your audience, but I have a whole new audience here. Would love to hear your little paranormal uh, uh, experience at age okay. 11. Well, l- let me make this brief because it's kind of l- a little detailed. But All right, um, go ahead. Yeah. Nice okay, teaser. But- <laughs> exactly. Okay. A little, a little teaser. Well, um, we were at the drive-in. We came back home. I really had to go to the restroom. Didn't want to, you know, find my way back to the car and all that jazz. So I waited, you know, until we got home. Me and my dad came to the door of our home. We entered the home. There was a, a, a glow, you know, a light that was um, coming from like the, the right side of the, the, the living room area. And as we entered... I tried to dart off and go to the restroom. And then as um, my dad, um, you know, saw whatever was happening in the kitchen, in the living room area, he told me to freeze, get out of the house. Somebody's in the house. And I was like, I need to go to the restroom. So, I, you know, so being a kid, my first thought yeah. is, because my dad was in the military. And uh, my first thought is, I got to go to the bathroom. So I'm, for whatever reason, I bypassed the hall bathroom to go to my parents' bathroom. I go uh-huh. down to the end of the hall, and um, as I look over to the right in my parents' uh, bed, there is a long figure laying in the bed, and Ooh. I froze. And then, oh, so man. as I look at this figure, 
I can, yeah. it's like, it was like a movie playing. I can hear my dad calling me, but I couldn't make out what he was sure. saying as he yeah. was running down the hall. And as he yeah. sn- puts his hand on my sho- shoulder to grab me, the, the, um, whatever figure was laying in the bed just totally went like into the bed. It's just the, the blankets were still disheveled. It just slowly wow. just like, you know, uh, just melted into the bed. And uh, he's like, I told you to get out of the house and, you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. everything. And uh, what had happened was in the kitchen area, all the um, dishes were out of the cabinets. All of the food was out of the refrigerator. Ooh, it was, a you know, yeah. it was like somebody ransacked the house. And then yeah. as the police came, there was nobody that entered the home. They said mm-hmm. someone must have entered the home and locked the door on the way out because there was no sign of any entries or anything. And so that was okay. my, you know, first paranormal experience. Wow. Did you in the paranormal and, uh, well, especially the Warren, what, what interested you in that? I love this question. Um, ever since I was a little kid, my mom is really into it. And I talk about her a lot on the show. She got me into it because we used to watch um, a lot of paranormal television shows together. Like everyone talks about how back when they started, it was Unsolved Mysteries, Sightings, uh, Beyond yeah. Belief, Fact or Fake. I love that one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah. 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 And then me and my mom watched a lot of uh, Paranormal State with that guy who um, had Lorraine on a lot. And that's where yeah, I learned yeah, yeah. about her. So I didn't know much about Ed and Lorraine until I started watching those things with my mom. But what really got me into the paranormal was when I was eight years old, I saw the movie The Entity and it it hooked me on the whole thought of paranormal, the whole idea of things like that happening and people going through it. I was I was hooked. I wanted to be a parapsychologist when I was that age. I thought for sure that's what I would grow. I'd be I'd grow up and be very tapped. So, (laughs) Ah, yeah, yeah. And so people correct me if I'm wrong, Stevie. The entity was about that woman who was uh, molested by these two. There was, yeah, there was three. Um, there was three. one big one and two little ones, according to her. And her name was Doris Bither or Bither. It depends on who you get your information from. But um, yeah. yeah, she claimed it was one big one and two little ones. And they would hold her down and assault her repeatedly. And then they made a movie about it in, in the 80s, yeah. 1982. And by the way, if you get a chance, this is an old school movie, and I always recommend old school horror to all my spooky friends. Go back. It's kind of hard to find. It is freaky. I mean, yeah. they, they're doing things to this poor woman that you're just like, yeah. oh, my God. And, the, and they, were, uh, they were really, the movie was so well known for how good the effects were. It was the first time they'd attempted anything like that. Mm-hmm. And the effects yeah. were very, uh, they, a lot of people thought they were incredible. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, you know, again, you know, everyone. Uh, so I, I, I was talking about Tomes of Terror that I think had just come out to haunted bookstores and libraries. But I was saying, well, yeah. I'm working on haunted hospitals right now. And Rhonda yeah. Parrish and uh, my the co-author and I were working on this book. We got a call from a gentleman who wanted to share a story about uh, a hospital he worked at, the Pinocchio Institute in Alberta, uh, mm. Canada. Mm. And. He had worked there for many years. It had been more than 10 years since he worked there. He's retired now, but he wanted to share a story that he'd never shared before. And it was about a woman. So the, the chapter is called The Woman Possessed. And it was a woman who had lived most of her life in that hospital. She had no family. And she would get into bouts of uh, violence where she, they'd take 
three sure. or four people to hold her down because she had this superhuman wow. strength that she could throw them yeah. off. She would scratch. She, she would bite. She'd be calm and, and fine and then just yeah. go right into this. Other things would happen mm-hmm. with her room where she'd be complaining that her room was like a like a meat locker. It was so cold and freezing. They go in and oh, there was nothing yeah. wrong with the heater. Everything was fine. So they move her into another vacant room. And, yeah. you know, when the minute they move her into the other room, the mm-hmm. other room suddenly becomes a meat locker and the room she was in, it goes back to normal temperature. So weird stuff like that happened. They even had meetings. Mm-hmm. They did bring in priests. They thought they were wondering if she needed some sort of exorcism. But yeah. one of the nights where he was working by himself, uh, there was ship, there's a bunch of them doing an overnight shift. And, and they've mm-hmm. got the break room with the TV and stuff like that where they're hanging out right. when they're not doing their rounds. So it was his turn to go do some rounds. And as he's walking down the hall, he walks by a room and he hears voices because sometimes you'd hear her talking to someone else and you could actually hear another voice in the room. So he's yeah. like, oh my God, is there another patient in there? So he opens the room. It's pitch black. She's sleeping. There's no one else in the room with her, but she's sleeping mm-hmm. while standing on the wall okay. about four Whoa. feet above the floor over top of her bed. She's completely horizontal. Her face is down. Uh, her hair is hanging yeah. down over her face. Her body's like her, she's moving like like she's breathing, like in her sleep. Mm-hmm. There's no one else in the room. And that's yeah. what he sees. He doesn't know what to do. He's kind of like, I don't know what to do. So he slowly backs up, closes the door, goes back to the TV room and never says anything because he doesn't know. Yeah. Did he see something? Whatever. Yeah. So he calls in and he tells the radio program this. <clears throat> so I'm working, I'm, I'm researching for haunted hospitals. What I do when yeah, someone yeah. tells me a story, I, I talk to the producer uh, ask George, you know, can I get the producer to find out who that yeah. was? Would they be willing to talk to me? Because I'd love yeah. to interview them for my... So, lo and behold, a couple weeks later, uh, I have a call with this person. Well, here's the interesting thing. One of his colleagues who worked there, who mm. work, also worked at the same hospital, yeah. recognized his voice, knew who he was, yeah, and asked to meet him. Uh, Tim Hortons is like a Dunkin' Donuts. It's a, it's right, a, right. Yep. a coffee shop chain here in Canada. They met at the local yep. Timmy's. Yeah. They met at the local Timmy's, eh? And uh, <laughs> and the the colleague told a story uh, about mm. one other night within that same year or two that happened to them. And they had walked by and heard her having a discussion with some other voice that was coming from the room that didn't sound like her. When they mm. walked in, they they saw her sleep standing vertically wow. with her feet about a foot off the floor facing, you know, mm-hmm. she had her eyes closed and everything. And she was just kind of sleep standing, like, like yeah. not looking at, but looking straight. And again, that colleague didn't tell anyone because they didn't know what to do. It was so unbelievable. They backed out of the story. And the only reason they yeah. confessed it was because they heard the story and they said, oh, my God, I saw something. Well, I didn't see the exact same thing, but I saw something very similar. And so that was like that stuck with me, and I've and I remember I remember telling the story uh, at a late night author event. You want to go to paranormal site anywhere in the world? Probably Petra in Jordan is my like mm. want to go to place because I, I've I've read about Jin allegedly being there. Um, I've just, ever since I was a kid, I think I saw it in the third Indiana Jones movie. And I've always wanted to go there. 
I've just, yeah, I've always, and there's a, a series on Netflix called Gin, and it's not great, but it's, it's Jordanian, if I remember correctly. Mm. And the yeah. first uh-huh. episode is set there. And it just, I don't know, I just really, that's always kind of called to me. Yeah, yeah. And has there been a place, just really quickly, have you, and I don't know if you guys investigated all, or have you been to, where you've been to a place that shook you a little bit, or, you know, maybe you've been somewhere where, again, you heard about and wanted to check it out. I walked past the Cecil Hotel once in downtown L.A. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I didn't go inside, but just walking past it, man, it was like the Eye of Sauron. I just, it felt like someone was, <laughs> was like yeah. rubbing your, your like uh-huh. third eye with sandpaper. It was a very intense feeling just walking past it. I can't mm-hmm. imagine actually going inside. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I hear you. So, Paul, same question. Bucket list, where you would like to go, paranormal. Uh, Hoya Forest in Romania. Oh, yes. Yeah, explain that to people who are not familiar with it. Can you give us, like, a brief idea? Because that is an awesome place. Yeah, so it's this beautiful... I mean, Romania itself is a, is a beautiful and and much unloved country by the rest of mm-hmm. Europe. It's, it's often looked down upon uh, mm-hmm. as a former as a former Soviet Republic, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, for anybody who loves the spooky, we're all entrenched in, in a, in a bit of a love affair with Romania because of Dracula. Um, yeah. And so the Hoya forest is this incredibly atmospheric portion of land. that is. some would say it is a, a thin veil between both sides and it's supposed to be inhabited by numerous nefarious spirits from the other side who will often lead mm-hmm. travelers mm-hmm. to a disappearing or a sticky end and um, so i'd like to go with plenty of people um <laughs> so uh, and make sure first. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and, you know make sure i've Brennan, done some uh, <laughs> done some car- <laughs> done some cardio beforehand so i can make sure i'm not the slowest person there and <laughs> uh and uh and keep an eye out for the bears that wander around there. But yeah, that would definitely be my, especially in Europe. Most of a slam. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of post- poltergeist to lack of yeah, Right. This had none of that. It was oh. so subtle. It was unbelievable. Anyway, he was basically nominated by his, his bishop for his diocese to take over. E- each Catholic diocese needs to have a, at least one exorcist. Um, and their exorcist in their diocese was retiring. So his bishop uh, nominated him to mm. take the place of the exorcist. So he had to go to Rome. He had to do some formal training. Yeah. Um, and he'd come back. And he said it was quite like, you know, there was no cause for it, really. It was kind of, he viewed it as just a, like, you know, a, a box ticking exercise. Sure. Anyway, um, he then got in touch or, um, with a woman who said, like, you know, can you come and bless the house? Which she often gets. Where he, as a priest, said he'd often get. Sure. You know, requests for house blessings, things are going on. Yeah. When he turned up, this woman was acting really strange, and he wasn't, like, sure. And he, he thought she was being abused by the partner. Mm. Um, And he left anyway. And as he's walking down yeah. the street, the partner runs after him, and the partner's being attacked by her. Oh, 
and the partner says like she's she's there's something in her she 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 needs like help um so he goes back and pays her a visit and he's convinced then like he can tell in her eyes she's like oppressed she knows she i think she mentioned something i can't even recall what it was because i'm getting to the point i'm getting to as opposed to regaling this story um long story short he goes to the bishop to asks uh for permission to do an exorcism the bishop denies it and says a confession is as good as an exorcism and he argues the toss why have you put me through the exorcism training then um uh then he the the bishop likes out it's more or less a paper uh, it's a admin exercise he he basically says i can't authorize an exorcism without her having confession Mm -hmm. so he goes well i'm not going to get her in a confessional booth but he said well will will you give her one more try so he does he invites her around to the priest's house for the parochial home Mm -hmm. for tea and um she turns up here as the gate goes she's walking up the thing with a pram she's got a youngster with her about maybe four months old whatever um and she comes in, she sits down, all nice as pie. He goes, do you want a cup of tea? Yeah, all good. Goes in, makes a cup of tea. Comes in with a tray with some biscuits on and stuff yeah. like that. And as he looks up, she's holding the baby above her head, above his glass coffee table, and smiling at the priest and yeah. saying, what would you do, sort of thing? What are you going to do? You know, Can you stop me? Blah, blah, blah. He panics that much, he drops the tray. Um yes. And then when he's picking the stuff up, she's back to herself and she's putting the baby back in the pram. And she's like, are you okay, father? What's wrong? What's happened? Mm-hmm. And she's completely lost it. He goes, like, as in she's back to normal. She's lost the oppression, if you will. Yeah. So he then returns to the bishop and says, we are not getting her in a confessional booth. And the, the bishop says, my hands are tied. You, you, you know, it, it, you can't do it without. So he says, I can't do it then. I can't, I can't, you, you give me a job I can't do. And I, I want to, giving me notice sort of thing so only the pope can approve you being lay sized apparently Mm. so i'm learning all this through reading the letter um or reading the email even so um the pope the the bishop writes a full explanation as to what's going on the bishop immediately grants them being lay sized um which is suspicious in itself it's kind of like you know no questions asked anyway um so he's the, but the weird thing is, if, apparently, once a priest, always a priest. It's not like he, if he wanted to become a priest again, he has right. to go through the training again. He could literally just make a phone call and say, "Put me back on," and he's on. Um, and he, he can also perform certain, like last rites in an emergency and stuff sure. like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, as I'm halfway through this story, I, I and I'm. As I say, as, as you've heard, like I do it in a different sort of accent, a little bit more serious. Yeah, right. A little bit more well-spoken. And I'm yeah. really concentrating on what I'm doing. I become convinced that someone stood behind that curtain that mm-hmm. separates my recording room to the door. Mm-hmm. So much so to the point that I stop recording. I take my earphones off and I say hello like three times. Sure. Then I put my earphones back on. I start recording again. Then I hear my name. Then I take my headphones off, and I'm like, someone's definitely behind my curtain. So like on a cartoon, yeah. I've got my umbrella, and I'm poking the curtain um, <laughs> from, like, my seating position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I got you. But honest, honest to God, 
something was in that room. It's not left me now, even now. And mm. I, I've, I've spoke about this numerous times on numerous versions of me, numerous shows th that this was something that there was something in that experiences, but did, why we've been talking, has anything entered your uh, mind um, that you recall that has, has again, anything really spooky that you can remember? Well, I did um, someone's apartment and her daughter would not sleep in her room. And mm -hmm. she's like 10 years old. And I'm like trying to figure out why won't she sleep in her room? Yeah. And they lived there like nine years. Mm -hmm. And she still won't sleep in her room. So I went there, did an investigation. And the second I walked into the mom's room, mm -hmm. I felt bad energy, especially yeah. in the closet. Okay. And then when I walked into the daughter's room, immediately I saw a demonic creature uh, crouching down on the daughter's bookshelf where all her stuffed animals were sitting. Oh. There's like a space between the stuffed animals, uh -huh. and that's where they were sitting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and when you say demonic, it how was, did you know uh, it was very interesting. Yeah. How do you know it was demonic? Because what of the way that? it was, the eyes, the red eyes, and the way it was shaped, um, mm -hmm. the way it was looking at me, its energy. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I looked in the closet, and there was a tall man in there crouching. Oh. It wasn't really crouching. He was oh. just kind of bent over. Yeah. Under the shelf, uh -huh. standing up. At, at its roots, some belief in ghosts. Now, the beliefs, the beliefs in ghosts are not the same from religion to religion. But every religion has a belief in uh, ghosts. And one of the things that I found that was most interesting is that in the Buddhist religion and in the in the in the Eastern countries, um, they have a they have a, a a belief and a response to ghosts that are almost the opposite of what what we do in the Western country. So, uh, I as you mentioned, I have two presentations about ghosts that I have shared with oh, over a hundred audiences all over the country. The one is called "Things Still Go Bump in the Night," and the other one is "A Few Favorite Haunts." In fact, I'm sharing both of those one tomorrow with one group and one Tuesday with another group. And about right. um, about every fourth time that I share those, when I'm done, somebody in the audience will come up to me and go, can I tell you about this experience I had with this ghost? Uh, I'm, sure, go ahead. You know, said, so they'll, and they'll proceed to tell me about their mother's in-law's haunted house that they inherited or staying in a hotel where they were in. But my point, John, is that almost always their response to, to having to encounter a ghost is one of fear. Mm -hmm. um, it's a Western response. If, if you mentioned ghosts, somebody that are the most typical response will be retreat and fear. For yeah. Buddhists, they have exactly the opposite response. So they believe that ghosts are what it's the, I, I've never been able to get a translation that's very good, but they call them suffering spirits. And they believe that, that they should be pitied 
and we should have compassion for ghosts instead of running away and being scared by them. I think that's a very interesting contrast. And now I blame Stephen King for a lot of that. And <laughs> so do oh, I. Man. There were plenty of scary ghost stories before Stephen King came along, but he kind oh, of man. made it made it Hollywood version. But I, I thought, I, you know, that's an interesting aspect I've learned from our research that most people don't know. So it, it kind of, and I can't imagine that uh, in in uh, China or India where where they practice Buddhism. I can't imagine that ghosts are much different than what they are here, but they have a very different reaction to them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so that leads me to my next point. Have you ever had a skeptic come up and say, oh, ghosts aren't real, Randy? What is this? You, you know, come on. that Your presentation was a bunch of oh, BS. Yeah, no, not <laughs> but often. Yes, often. In fact, I, here, I, here's how I counter that, John. So, yeah. Uh, about halfway into the presentation, uh, I have a I have a set of slides that I'll go. You know, every time I do this presentation, I have somebody giving me this. Now you can't see me, but I I give them the crossed arms and the the uh, doubting face. You know, and and uh, and and that, that of course draws a bunch of laughs. And I go for them and for everybody else. I'm going to share with you. The scores of famous, intelligent, educated, sophisticated people, all who believe in ghosts. And I just blow them away with uh, examples of scientists and um, politicians and musicians and uh, athletes, all that they all know and they all recognize. But they, they didn't know they believed in ghosts. They were really, you know, everything from Abraham Lincoln and Ronald Reagan to um, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and, you know, you name it. And that kind of quells a lot of the, you know, you're, it's just a bunch of poppycock. I will still have some come up and do that. But after I give that little piece and show them the examples, you know, I'm going, well, these people, you know, my answer is, are all these people crazy? You know, is right. Abraham Lincoln because he believed to go. Hey, Ronald Reagan, is he crazy? And yeah. Winston Churchill, and you know, so that kind of that kind of uh, uh, stifles it before it gets very far. But yeah. yes, of course, you know, I've shared this with thousands of people, so I get every kind of reaction you can think. So I'm going to start by saying that I don't think all ghosts or spirit entities need to be ejected from the home. No. Um, some of them um, want to be there because it's their home too, or they're your yeah. family. Uh, and maybe not necessarily like the family, you know, maybe they're an ancestor or a spirit guide. So sure. in those cases, I think it's totally fine. If they share space with you, you just have to learn to be okay with them. Mm, okay. <laughs> now that's not always the case. So I'm going to mention, right. um, I'm going to tell the story of um, a woman who I helped clear her space. And uh, some people call this a house blessing. Some people call it a space clearing, whatever works for you. So I got to her space and she was having incredible anxiety. Every time she came home, she felt like she was being Mm. watched. Um, Mm -hmm. So I got into her space and I immediately felt like, like I feel feel like yucky. Something's yucky here. And there was Mm -hmm. a, it was a beautiful old apartment, great old building. So, I'm not, I'm not a medium, but sometimes I, I, I sure. can hear. Um, sometimes I can be clear audience. And I 
I could immediately hear the spirit in her house. I I said, does, you know, does the name George mean anything to you? And she said, Mm. yeah, that was the man who lived here before me. And Mm. I said, oh, guess what? He's still here. And um, yeah, yeah. So George was still there and George was a total creeper and he was watching Mm. her sleep and bathe and go to the bathroom. Mm. And uh, she said it, it, she felt like people didn't really want to come to her home. And there there were just, I mean, her, her pet was uncomfortable. Um, There were, there was every sign of an entity who really was just not the best. So Mm. I was able to interact with George. We did, um, we did clear the space physically uh, there are several ways to do that. You can use bells, you can use sage or other herbs to burn. Um, you know, like I said, there's lots of ways to go about it. And um, I, I helped her figure out how she would maintain her boundaries in this space clearing situation. And uh, George agreed to leave. But I, I asked him if he would actually leave the whole building because it was a building <laughs> of all women. Wow. Yeah, it was a space that was just all apartments for women and uh, female identifying people. And I, I was just like, George, it'd be mm. really great if you could find somewhere else to be besides watching these ladies yeah. sleep and undress. Um, so, yeah, yeah um, George was not ready to cross over into a new life. He okay. he was kind of a miserable spirit. And mm. um, in his case, I, I could clairaudiently hear him. That's not always the case, but I'm really glad I could because he definitely needed to go. He was not, um, he was sapping the energy of that woman very specifically, but probably also the building in general. And uh, because he had lived there, he felt entitled to the space. He felt like I have every right to be here. I lived here too. And in fact, the curtains in her living room were hung by him during his uh, physical life. So, yeah, he was just like, well, this is still my stuff. And I'm like, guess what? You can't use this anymore. You have to go. You know, what you're doing isn't right. And you know it. Like, you know, you're invading on her privacy. Did he ever get physically abusive? Any complaints about that? Nope. No. Luckily, no. Uh, he, he was not the type of entity that was touching and or moving objects. He, he was uh-huh. either, he didn't want to, or he was just a voyeur maybe, gotcha. but yeah, just kind of a, a voyeur. He guy. was a voyeur. Let's leave it at that. He's kind of a dirty old guy.